Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello and thank you ever so much for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden and I'm joined by a brilliant guest today, Ursula Tavender. Ursula founded Taking Care of Business to support companies embracing flexible ways of working and achieving a true shift in culture so that more people, regardless of their circumstances or working pattern, can stay and progress at work. Ursula also participates in a number of influential government groups and regularly writes, speaks, comments and campaigns for business change on the issues of supporting parents at work, flexible working and the gender pay gap. Ursula, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Toby. It's lovely to be here. So Ursula, can you tell us can you tell me a bit more about taking care of business and the Mumbelievable blog that you started as well? Thank you. Yeah, so it all started with Mumbelievable. Basically, I had a bit of an identity crisis after the birth of my first child and found it really difficult to combine my working life that I loved with being present for my family in a meaningful way. And it just seemed to me like I was a I was all at sea. And so I, I've always written. I'm, I'm My former um, professional background is, is communication. So it's always been a bit of an outlet for me. So I started the blog and thousands of people felt the same. And it was just a real revelation to me that there was this massive issue among people trying to combine their personal circumstances with their work. And so over time, it eventually evolved into a business. Um, and it started by supporting people returning to work after a break, like I had, you know, in the sort of uh, similar position that I'd found myself in. And then over over time, it's just like I had hundreds and hundreds of the same conversation about the barriers that people were facing when they were trying to combine their lives with um, with their work and with developing their careers as well, and and how much of an issue that and a challenge they found that. So I realised that my time would be better spent helping businesses to change rather than as much of a privilege as it was working with individuals. I realized that wasn't going to help anything to change. And I was so kind of fiercely driven by the injustice of the fact that so many people were effectively excluded from work that um, that drove me to, to switch the focus of the business to a consultancy, which is when Taking Care of Business was born in, in 2017. And I am um, now I'm so lucky to work with a number of corporate organisations and, and other organisations of all different sizes and types to, I guess, overall help them become more inclusive, but using flexible working as a mechanism to achieve equality across all demographics, not just parents. It's about making sure that work works for everyone. And um, that's probably the biggest privilege of the work that I do, really. So there's been lots of talk recently about flexible working because of the coronavirus. Lots of people are working from home. Um, so what are some of the changes that you're seeing about flexible working um, currently? So I think the main thing um, is clearly that more people see the possibilities and that, you know, it has um because we've had this kind of forced on mass remote working experiment, it has proved the case to a lot of skeptics that it actually we can continue in, albeit in a different way, but but you know, we can continue to collaborate, businesses can continue to perform and and thrive in a very, very difficult and challenging um, circumstance. So I think mindsets are beginning to shift and more people are starting to become a bit braver in respect of what they might test out in terms of different ways of working and the democratisation of the way that we work. So offering different options to participate for different people, I think is a really, really positive step in the right direction. And I think, you know, going hand in hand with that is the kind of humanisation of work as well, which is 
at the heart of flexible working is about people and about helping people combine their lives with their work. And so for people that don't fit the conventional mould or, you know, can't commit to a nine to five Monday to Friday in a fixed location, I think offering different ways of working remote working being one of those flexible working options, um, you know, hours flexing, that kind of thing is, is there's so many different possibilities for what flexible working means and it will mean something different to everybody. But the way we've all started to talk about that in a very human way from leadership level, you know, right to the front line, I think is a really, really positive thing because we are just people, aren't we? Trying to make our lives work in the best way that we can. So that's quite exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the new normal, yeah, us moving mm-hmm. into a new normal um, post, post-coronavirus. And I suppose I, the way that I interpret that is that it takes about 30 days to change a habit. And if we've been in lockdown for more than 30 days, then that's enough to change the way that we work. And I've talked to some of my clients who have said that they've realized that there's almost been a two or three tiered approach to flexible working for them in the past. So there were individuals in the organization that could be trusted and um, could work flexibly and they had the freedom to do so. There were some individuals that felt they couldn't be trusted. And then there were some some people where they thought the role just could not be done flexibly or remotely. And actually, some of my clients have said that they've realized that some of those perceptions have just been blown out of the water that people that they thought couldn't be trusted it's quite sad to say that really but um you know thought that they couldn't be trusted could indeed be trusted to to do their job Um, and the roles that they thought couldn't be done flexibly or remotely can actually be done flexibly or remotely so uh, as we as we kind of progress forward i mean what do you see some of the opportunities to businesses in in being able to provide more flexible ways of working and also what do you think the opportunities are on individuals to be able to work more flexibly so i think for businesses it opens up um a whole new realm of possibilities in terms of the types of people that can be recruited the geographical location of the people that you know can be recruited in terms of a talent pool you know opens up infinite possibilities really because what you're effectively saying is if we're able to make some roles more flexible and look at um location flexibility for some roles obviously it won't be possible for everyone as you rightly say but um i think if if that's if that's the case, then, you know, we can look at offering opportunities and this is, you know, I guess speaks to the individual piece, um, expanding opportunities to access work for people that previously weren't able to commit to a Monday to five, Monday to Friday, nine to five working pattern in a fixed location. And that, you know, the opportunities are there to close our gender and disability gaps. You know, I think from a societal perspective, increasing choice about how we work, when we work, where we work is a very positive move. And I think from a well-being point of view, it is just, you know, coming out of a very traumatic time for us as a, as a nation and as a, as, a, as a global community. You know, flexible working has the potential to really not only transform, but but contribute very positively to people's lives in respect of how they juggle their time and when they work to, you know, manage their energy and, and their, you know, their kind of mental 
periods of um, of peak strength and um, of, of times when you're not perhaps most productive. So going back then to the business benefit and the opportunity is to leverage the best of your people because they'll be working when and where it, it works best for them, which in turn enables them to deliver their best work, which means you get better outcomes as a business and then you can enjoy more success and productivity benefits, etc. And that then impacts the bottom line. So there's a link of, um, you know, a kind of domino effect of, of the opportunities and of the benefits that I believe are there. And I, and I have seen many, many times in companies that I've been lucky enough to work with as they go on this journey. And I think, you know, more widely, you know, as a society, we have the opportunity to use flexible working to increase inclusion and to make make our working opportunities and our working culture in this country more inclusive generally. Um, and I think that that is just it's just the right thing to do. You know, we have the technology available to make some roles flexible. And now we've, we've done this massive experiment because we were forced to do it. And as you say, you know, people, when they're given the right motivation and the right reason to do that, then they have the right purpose and then they can be trusted because they've got the mechanisms in place to be able to understand what is expected of them and, and how they should deliver that, which is what COVID forced upon us. And I think, you know, the culture of trust is is one of the fundamentals. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll come back to that in a, in a little while because it's a very important point. But I think that, you know, the why, the reason why we're doing this, COVID gave us that. And that's why it's it's been easier for some people to translate their working practices more easily than it would have been previously or has been previously. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating time, but generally, I think, um, from a kind of workforce, workforce perspective, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there definitely does seem to be more appetite for flexible working. I mean, on both sides, you know, the employer and the employee. But I think having talked to some organisations, there, there are still some challenges that businesses um, face in trying to implement it. So, in the work that you do, you know, what are some of the challenges that you come up against with with organisations when they're trying to be more flexible and implement more flexible ways of working? So trust is the main one, I would say. And I think because, like you say, there's that, that tiered approach that you, you spoke about earlier on um, is very common. And I think because you know, we think about trust and, and you know, neurologically, it's it's impossible to um, to trust somebody instantly. You know, we, we build trust, um, you know, as a result of positive social interactions that then simulate the, um, the release of ho- uh, the hormone oxytocin, which reduces our fear in trusting other human beings. You know, it's a it's a, a chemical process. So, you know, we can talk about building a, a culture of trust by default and we can, you know, recruit people into that culture. But there is also a very, you know, a very strong challenge when it comes to um, to that piece of trust around, you know, the manager-employee relationship. I think also um, it's, it's resistant mindsets um, around what can and can't be done and what isn't it what isn't possible and I think the point you made earlier about you know that we can't kind of not every job can be done remotely so therefore we can't offer that to anybody is is another common barrier because it's it's very difficult I think to achieve equity in a business when you can't offer the same options to everybody but I think you know we need to be brave as organizations and think differently about what equity is because flexible working means something different to every person as much as every job so you know I speak a lot about 
flexible working being possible in every single role there is. And then you sort of see people like, what? This isn't, you know, that's not possible. And then I sort of expand by saying, you know, that the options for flexible working will look different for every person because they have different, you know, expectations of what what that looks like, um, different desires. You know, some people won't want to change anything. That's fine. But they know if they know that they've got the option to work flexibly when the time is right for them, then you know, that, that is there in their mind and they know that they can combine their life successfully with their work. Um, so that, that kind of perceptions and assumptions piece is a real challenge as well, um, as is overwork, as is guilt, you know, agile working guilt. You know, we hear so much about people leaving early and feeling terribly, you know, like they need to skulk off because of it, um, but they might have, you know, worked early in the morning so you know it's everybody works differently and I think that when you have that that undercurrent of we need to keep this a secret because this isn't the conventional way of working it falls down and if you have this open culture of communication around you know everybody is um, within the parameters that we've decided as a as a team and as a business everybody's working within that to deliver their their outcomes and their goals and that's what we focus on rather than how many hours your bum has been sat on your at your desk um tapped into your laptop or um you know in a in a normal working world in an in office yeah because i worked for an organization who i think did a really good job in um implementing agile working and it was based on some really simple uh principles three principles in actually uh, and one of those principles was that you're measured on your output not on how much time you spend sat at your desk um, and I'm, I'm glad that you touched on the guilt actually because I think that does link into sort of microaggressions that I've seen happening in the workplace so w- when I was working for an organization before um, I was talking to a father or um, an expectant father, should I say. Um, and he would go off, uh, I think it was like once a week or so, he would go off to like antenatal appointments with his with his partner. Um, and colleagues would kind of like roll their eyes and go, oh, so you're taking another half day off. In fact, he was leaving the office at like four o'clock. And he was saying that, that those microaggressions had like a real impact on him and his level of guilt. And, and in fact, he, he was still getting the job done because he would go to the appointment with his partner and then he would like log on in the evening to finish working. So, yeah, it's just like all those kind of really strange behaviours going on in the workplace. And I think I think it's inevitable, isn't it, when change happens that, you know, some people really, really embrace it. You know, we're all we're all different personality types, aren't we? And, and others find it harder to to embrace. And I think that if you if you give people the opportunity to have those conversations about in a safe way about their bias or about, you know, the way that they feel about, you know, so here's a scenario, somebody leaves the office early. What do you think? What do you think about that? And, you know, in, in some of the workshops that I run with clients, that's the most important part of this conversation is allowing those, those things to come out into the open. So, you know, I remember running one earlier in the year and it was, you know, back when we could do things in person and, um, and this woman said, do you know what? I've just had a real light bulb moment that I say that, you know, when somebody leaves, I say, oh, you know, part timer. I don't mean it in a bad way, but I see how it could come across in that way. And she made a, a commitment that she, you know, she wasn't going to make those comments anymore. And I think that it's all part of the process, isn't it, of moving towards this more agile culture that we we are, we are you know, we are on the way. And for many 
companies there much further ahead down, down the line in terms of the culture and behavioural shift that is needed to support that infrastructure change in terms of the way we work. So, yeah, it's, um, it's very much those mindsets. Yeah, what, what do you say to organisations that just turn around and say that some jobs just cannot be done flexibly? I'm, I'm thinking of if an organisation, say, has got a distribution centre, where uh, people go in, they work in shifts. They have to be that. They have to be in the distribution centre, you know, because they're moving items around and dispatching items on the back of trucks and things like that. I mean, what do you say to businesses that that say those kinds of roles just can't be done flexibly or or that kind of thing? Well, they can't be done remotely, but that's not to say they can't be done flexibly. So. As I said earlier, flexibility means something different to everybody. So for someone, it might be that just being able to come in 15 or 20 minutes later or earlier and and flex their hours by a very tiny amount of time might mean that they get to go and walk their dog in the morning or they might get to read when they wake up or they might get to, you know, for some people it's about getting home to watch a certain programme or, you know, it's very small things like that that actually have a massive impact on somebody's sense of well-being and sense of a healthy integration of their you know their all the various different aspects of their lives so every job can be done flexibly it could be something like you know a shift swapping option for for those kind of environments so the flexible working options that you that the menu that you have available to your employees will be different in every team because every team has a different function and I think that we need to let go of this notion that we have to offer the same options for everybody for it to work. Um, you know, there is an element of, of choice, isn't there? You know, if you want to work remotely, and that's really important to you, then jobs in a distribution centre probably aren't the best choice for you. Um, and hopefully now what will happen is that more jobs will become available. So there is an increased choice of, and, and range of options available for people that that want to kind of work in that way so yeah I just I just think it's about being really creative and I think above all ask your people you know your people will come up with the best options because they know what will work and and overall people want to do a good job don't they so if you help them to do that then you know they'll be on board absolutely so what are three things that that organizations could do to start putting in place more flexible working and I think you've you've come up with a really useful model or framework which is aptly known as the flexible model (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is really cool but you know yeah so what are the three things that organizations can do to to start to put flexible working in place so I shoehorned eight elements that you know really have to be there for cultural change to happen and behavioral change to happen into the the acronym flexible which I'm quite proud of actually but um so thanks for (laughs) thanks for the compliment there um so but if I really had to pick three things because all of those eight things in the flexible model and I'm very very happy to share that with anyone who wants to know more about it but if I had to pick three and I, I deliberated over this and I've written down what they were because I knew that I would um, I would uh, deliberate over this. So I think the things that you have to have are a culture of trust and open communication. I think people need to be allowed to make mistakes. Um, I think we need to have a really kind of a, a growth mindset culture. Um, and that to me is is really, really fundamental element of, of flexible working and making it work. Secondly, I think it's vital to have support for managers and teams to make it work. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about it being different for everyone. So, and I'll talk a moment in uh, in a moment about some sort of kind of practical tool to, to give that support to managers and teams. But 
I think if we create a kind of microculture for flexible working, in my experience, that's the way it really ignites. Um, when you have a kind of company-wide approach, there are teams inevitably that will say, well, that won't work for us. So they distance themselves from it and they disengage. If you empower and give teams the autonomy to make the decisions about the options for flexible working that will work best for them, given the nature of what they have to deliver for the business, then they're able to shape that flexible working microculture for themselves and therefore they're more engaged right from the outset. So that support for managers in terms of, um, you know, extends to, um, to you know, how, how do you manage people working in different ways and, and what does that look like? And giving, giving managers the tools to be able to um, confidently move ahead with, you know, I don't want to use the word approving flexible working requests because, you know, flexible working is flexible in its nature and, and is ad hoc rather than, you know, the kind of permanent change to a contract where it might be that, you know, you reduce your hours and or condense your hours or um, work remotely permanently, that kind of thing. Um, but on an ad hoc basis, what, you know, can you give your managers guiding principles that will help them to make decisions about what isn't, what isn't okay in consultation with the team? I think that's really vital and, and works brilliantly. And then finally, I think um, people need to see what's possible. So for me, role modelling and, and that leadership uh, you know the tone from um, from as, as senior level as possible that this is the way we work and and it's okay. So it gives that virtual permission slip to people um, who see what's possible. They they you know with through that role modelling and through seeing leaders at all levels working flexibly um, and being vocal about it, they're able to apply that to themselves and think well you know if it's if it's all right for them it's all right for us. And I think, you know, what I've seen a lot of recently is internal social media channels being used brilliantly um, so that companies can, you know, the CEOs around the kitchen table with their family life going on in the background, you know, and they're just, they're real and they're, and they're showing you what's possible. Um, and they're, they're really vocal about the fact that they're knocking off early because they, um, you know, they've given a lot to their work this week. Um, and, you know, they're, they're taking some time back for themselves um, and I think that, yeah, that role modelling is another vital piece. So that, those are the three, the top three, I guess, but it's really hard to choose. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's eight to pick from. Um, so, um, I mean, so this is, of course, the Inclusive Growth Show. And what does inclusive growth mean to you and the clients that you work with, in particular around growth that we can get from flexible and agile working? So for me... As soon as you say that, what jumps to mind is that inclusive growth is about giving everybody a voice and realising that everyone's voice contributes to our growth and our success as an organisation. So I believe that, you know, and, and the organisations that I work with and I'm lucky enough to work with believe that everybody's voice um, matters and and that together we're much stronger and we can achieve more. So I think when you provide opportunities for people to contribute to that that idea of growth and to what inclusive growth means and give them the platforms to be part of those decisions, I think that's when when things really take off. So for me, that's it's about making sure that everybody's voice matters. Brilliant. Well, Ursula, thank you ever so much for joining me on this episode of the of the show. Um, how can somebody get in touch with you if they want to uh, learn more about the work that you do, follow your thought leadership on this subject, and or, or in fact, learn more about the flexible model that you've created? 
Yeah, thanks, Toby. Um, I'm, I'm so happy to share the flexible model. I've got a framework for team charters, which taps into the team culture, um, the team microculture for flexible working that I described. Um, so I'm happy to share that process, any research that I've got access to, you know, any sort of case studies I've got. I'm happy to share it all because, uh, you know, I'm in this to change the world of work. So I'd love to connect with people on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Ursula Tavender on LinkedIn. Um, so come and find me and send me a message and we'll arrange a time to chat. I've always got time to chat for with the you know people in this space um and who, who are on the same mission to change the world of work and i just yeah it'll be great to meet as many of you as possible brilliant ursula thank you ever so much for joining me today um and thank you for listening to this episode of the inclusive growth show if you know anybody who's interested in the topic of diversity and inclusion who's interested in flexible or agile working please do forward uh, this podcast to them so that they can listen to it as well. Until next time, uh, we've got an upcoming episode very shortly. So hopefully I'll see you on the next episode of the Inclusive Grow Show. Until then, I hope you take care and stay well. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.